Thank you for listening to this lunchtime talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. In this live recording, the Art Gallery's Associate Curator of Prints, Drawings and Photographs, Maria Zagala, introduces the Queen Adelaide display as part of South Australia's History Month. Queen Adelaide and William IV, uh, cut, uh, official portraits and cutting caricatures. Now this small display is, um, has just recently opened and it is part of History Month and the gallery's contribution to that marvellous festival. And uh, it will be on display until the 16th of September. So there's plenty of time to revisit and to see the, um, the display again. Uh, now, I wanted to welcome you all, say thank you for coming. Um, it's wonderful to see such a large group here. Um, and uh, I must say, I, I am a little, um, well, I'm thrilled and I wonder whether it is a reflection of um, royal fever at the moment <laughs> because uh, I have certainly been swept up in it myself. So uh, I, the reason for this display really was a marvellous gift um, in 2016 of 70 uh, portrait prints of Queen Adelaide and William IV. And they were gifted by an uh, Adelaide... Uh, his history teacher, John Beale, and who now lives in Victoria. And he left this very substantial collection to the art gallery and it really joined a collection that we'd already been uh, working on. And so actually when it came time for me to bring this marvellous gift to light, to curate a display around it, I found that we had some marvellous things already. And uh, of course, when I started investigating further, I found that um, there are some great collections here in Adelaide, including at the Town Hall and also at the Migration Museum, some wonderful uh, objects which uh, belong to Adelaide uh, mania, if you like. So um, the working on this exhibition was a real delight and also a surprise. It was a surprise because I must say when I first unpacked the 70 or so prints, um, many of them were these uh, very stiff formal portraits like these black and white ones that you see here. They're prints, um, many mezzotints that were not that captivating initially. However, as soon as I put them alongside the uh, caricatures and the satires uh, that were also part of the gift, it really enlivened the uh, dynamic between these two very different forms of representation. So this small display has a ambition to explore, even pose a question about what is it to represent uh, the monarch? What is it to represent a official portrait and how does an unofficial representation in the popular press, the satires, how does that interact with this official line, if you like? And I was inspired by reading the work of an uh, cultural anthropologist, Michael Taussig, who wrote a book called The Magic of the State in the 1990s, where he was reflecting on the way that abstract entities such as the state or a monarchy is supported through the circulation of images through popular participation. Now, we've just been through Harry and Meghan's wedding. 
and I was participating in that. I was watching, perhaps you were too. So I felt that I was really part of a moment in history. Why I care about two people getting married at St George's Chapel in uh, Windsor, I don't know, but it's important to me. It felt like I wanted to be part of that. And so this display actually is different because this is Queen Adelaide and this is the woman that gave our city, the capital city of South Australia, its name. So her presence, her figurehead, has a very special role here for us. And indeed, William IV, who reigned for a very short time, 1830 to 1837, is largely forgotten. There are few books written on him and only recently have his letters got, come into the public domain. He's not well known. Of course, uh, the throne went to his niece, uh, Victoria, who reigned for over six decades. And we know Victoria and her legacy. But who was William IV and who was Adelaide, his uh, bride? So this display brings together some of uh, the mm, artefacts, if you like, the uh, portraits, the popular press and objects that were created that were part of uh, a mm, industry of imagery, if you like, uh, that evolved or came out of um, important moments in Adelaide and William's uh, marriage and life together. So, if you like, the first wall in this small display brings together official portraits, a caricature and a jug. And I was thinking if a colleague of mine is a great collector of um, Charles and Diana Ware and she has a mug that she has her afternoon tea in every day and there is a, a jug with William IV. Um, we have jugs of Adelaide too. So there was the similar kind of production of ware at the time. Uh, it generally is associated with the, their coronation. I might give you a bit of a backstory because it's thrilling and this is also part of, um, if you like, the royal zeitgeist for me. I became enamoured with The Crown and other um, TV series about royals and when I came to explore the story of Adelaide and William, I immediately felt like I had stepped into a soap opera. So the, their history is fascinating because it encapsulates the, um, the figure of Adelaide who was um, a princess who was born in the duchy of uh, Saxe-Meiningen in Thuringia, Germany, a small and unimportant German state but she was well-educated, of royal blood, and she became uh, engaged to William uh, when she was 25. William was 57. He had uh, 10 illegitimate children with his mistress, uh, Dorothea Jordan, who was a well-known actress, and they had lived for 20 years together um, at Bushy Park. So he had a very... Uh, rich and contented family life and however in his 50s uh, he was seeking a bride. So it's a complicated story is it not? 
imagine that situation. Uh, he was in his 50s, as I say, and up until then, there had been no uh, idea that he would be king. He had two older brothers. His father, George III, reigned, and his older brothers uh, looked as though they would uh, take the throne after um, George III. However, it became increasingly clear in the early 1800s that this that uh, that William may have to seek a bride, so leave his de facto relationship and find someone who might be appropriate. The writing on this is fascinating and the books written on William IV have tended to be written in a non-academic style, in a fairly racy style. So there's a lot of emphasis on William, his uh, womanising, the fact that he was um, a, a, a Navy man, very uncouth, uh, that he um, had been a midshipman from the age of 13, that he'd had a career and felt comfortable with uh, fellow sailors, but that he was absolutely categorically unprepared to be king. So when he sought a bride, he needed someone respectable and his search uh, was uh, long and uh, he had many rejections. He was not a catch. <laughs> However, finally, he and uh, the people who were working on his behalf managed to negotiate a bride and that was Adelaide. And she came, they met a week before they were to marry and uh, incredibly uh, they had a successful marriage. And this is sort of one of the main narrative threads in history that's repeated by historians that it was the most unlikely match. She was pious she was frugal, she was well-educated, she was very decorous. And here was William, who was overweight, overbearing, uncouth, uh, a gambler, a man with a mistress who had lived really not in society for his whole adult life, and they were brought together. Now, this display uh, begins, if you like, with this print, which is a wonderful caricature and Henry told a flattering tale, which shows this is Henry, who at that time was the Duke of Clarence, introducing his young bride, Adelaide, to John Bull. And John Bull is the figure of the every, every man, English every man. Now, John Bull does not look pleased to meet this new bride. And partly that is because... It was unpopular at that time. The, in, the um, public were displeased with the amount of funds that were being spent on foreign brides that were to come to England and the pressure was on them to produce a legitimate heir and they were not successful. So this print here is saying the pressure is on for you William, who was known as Henry, the pressure is on you, Henry. And Henry's saying, I can do it. I've got Jordan for that. So you see there's a little um, blurb, uh, um, word to that effect. The pressure is on Adelaide to produce this legitimate heir. And unfortunately, she had a very tragic childbirth history. So early on, she miscarried 
she uh, lost two children in infancy. She then had further stillborn twin sons. And so their hope for a legitimate heir was completely dashed. And fortunately for William, Adelaide took his 10 illegitimate children, there were nine surviving children at that time, into her home and created a home for them. You may wonder what happened to their mother. And she, as was expected at that time, left the house and in fact was forced to leave and go to France. And she died destitute only months later. So she had a very unfortunate end. In the written accounts, there is no suggestion that she was um, angry about this. It was uh, considered William's right that he should have a legitimate um, and appropriate spouse. So there the story begins and the heartbreak, if you like, of Adelaide and her um, childbearing history in some ways is thought to be one of the main ways in which she connected with the British public. And she was a great advocate for children and fought for their rights through her husband, advocating for bills that would mean that children would be educated and uh, not forced to work in um, terrible conditions. So she was a great advocate for children and was admired for that. She was admired for reigning her uncouth husband in and forming him in the first 12 years of their marriage before he became king to a more appropriate, um, let's say, leader. And uh, in these two prints, you see him rowing with her in the boat up to the steps. And here is the Duke of Wellington, the Prime Minister, who's saying, you're not welcome. Nobody wanted William. And uh, there you have William saying, I'm ready. Here he is as the Sailor King. So he's represented as the Sailor King and was admired for his advocacy of uh, the Navy. Uh, however, like a son of a king who really did not have mm, much hope invested in him, nor much care in his education, he really didn't um, have any responsibilities for much of his adult life. So I'm not going to draw parallels with Charles, but I have been thinking what happens if you are expected to take on the throne, but you do not have the education to form you to take on that role. And certainly in the accounts, historical accounts, he is considered completely unprepared. Now, what is interesting, Adelaide's emphasis on piety, on uh, financial restraint, restraint, frugality, saw its immediate expression in their decision to live in Germany when they first married. They moved to Hanover where they could live much more cheaply and she really paid off his debts at that time. By the way, he had been supported by Dorothy Jordan, who was an actress, so he had hardly an allowance from the king. So really it was the women in his life that managed to curtail him and support him. They reigned in their finances. When he was uh, crowned and at the coronation in 1831, 
they had a budget coronation. So unlike uh, William's very unpopular brother who had reigned before him, who had spent, let me check, £240,000 on his own coronation, William had a cut in the expenses and only spent £30,000. And so there are two marvellous satires in this group. This one is a half crownation that shows is very frugal, very sad parade. And over here you see the king and queen being crowned uh, with her in this very simple drab dress and he um, not wearing a crown at all. So... The satirists were in fact concerned that the prestige of the monarchy would be undercut by this frugality. Um, they also dismissed the French chefs, the German band. They just lived very simply. Adelaide opened uh, the um, palace on events to poor people and locals. So they had these quite interesting mm, uh, innovations. The satires are not always cruel. This one here is totally delightful. It's a Windsor pair, P-A-I-R, crossed out with E-A. And here they are in this wonderful, probably from around 1830, the time that they became king and queen, um, as a couple uh, in this pair. This beautiful silk banneret is from the Town Hall collection and it really is the centrepiece and is a uh, very beautiful uh, workmanship, a beautiful example of something that was produced at the time officially in contrast to these very cruel uh, satires which show uh, the king and queen in their new position. Here you have um, putting a new face on things uh, and you have uh, William uh, making cuts to the army in favour of the navy. Uh, these wonderful little busts, again, I don't know if Meghan and Harry have had busts produced or William and Kate, um, but I would love some. They're so cute. And, um, and you see this representation of William, the very uh, authoritative portrait of him, which is a mezzotint, which is based on uh, a, a well-known painted portrait by Henry Dore. And that image is repeated on, for example, a snuff box that you see in, in uh, this case. Also on this lovely miniature, which may have also been a snuff box um, lid. And next to it is this gorgeous um, also miniature of uh, Adelaide as a young woman, probably a young bride in 1818. But the miniatures themselves were produced probably when they became king and queen and are based on earlier images. Now, the wall of portraits of Queen Adelaide here really just demonstrates, could you say that it's the same woman? I look at that and I think, well, I can see this large mezzotint in the centre is after a famous painting by William Beechey. Underneath it are two smaller portraits that are also based after the same painting. So... They're certainly related and I see a similarity. That similarity is in her hair and it's in the dress, also partly in the face. But the facial features of the other women in this group, I could not say are the same person. So I'm fascinated by that. 
even these last two, which were both a very, you could say, very sensitive portraits done in the last months of Adelaide's life. So this one here is after a painting by um, Franz Xavier Winterhaler, and it was done in the two months before she died. And here is this very beautiful um, uh, drawing. It's actually a print after a drawing, uh, and it does not look anything like the one next to it. Um, and yet it also depicts Adelaide in the last uh, year of her life. The publisher has made this print after her death and it has published also, it has printed an excerpt from the instructions that she gave for her funeral. And it's quite moving to read. She says... I die in all humility, knowing well that we are all alike before the throne of God, and I request therefore that my mortal remains be conveyed to the grave without any pomp or state. They are to be moved to St George's Chapel, Windsor, where I request to have a private and quiet a funeral as possible. I particularly desire not to be laid out in state and the funeral to take place by daylight, no procession. So a very humble person, very humble. And you he see here next to this print um, a, a Bible that um, uh, is thought to have been in her possession with this very intricate Bible cover. And uh, I have included on this wall a doll and that doll is also from the town hall. I was quite taken with it. Um, it's hard to know if it is uh, a doll in the likeness of Queen Adelaide because, as I say, do any of these Queen Adelaides look alike? However, it has, it has an established provenance that, that goes back to the mid-19th century and the doll itself is very similar to in appearance to the dolls that Victoria, Queen Victoria made as a child. And she was a huge doll maker. Victoria had over 130 handmade dolls and they have quite a distinct appearance. And that appearance is actually similar to this doll. So I've put it in, I think that it's possible that it was made um, around uh, the 18... 30s, let's say. It's possible. There are two marvellous satires on this wall as well that I wanted to draw your attention to. As I say, Adelaide was known for her piety, her decorum, and when she came into um, court, she demanded that ladies at court stop wearing decolletage and very sumptuous dresses and insisted that they wear very plain aprons. And you see in this uh, wonderful satire this kind of Adelaide mill where these women at court are jumping into the mill and coming out, these very dour maidens. Um, she is, of course, represented very, in very beautiful and sumptuous clothes. So the mm, formal portraiture, the expectations of appearance are all there um, and she had to conform to that. Um, and here you have this wonderful print which is uh, from McLean's Monthly, a, a caricature manual or newspaper and it shows uh, the king 
William the Fourth, who is described the lion that was mistaken for an ass, or the ass that some mistake for a lion. So there you have his two, uh, his very mm, changeable um, state. His um, some thought that he was a, a, a wonderful leader. Others thought him completely um, ridiculous. So um, in the two cases are uh, examples of, um, as I mentioned, where and uh, objects that were made for popular consumption, but also very rare things that came from her collection. So here we have a very beautiful um, uh, jewellery box that was from her collection, um, that was a gift from Max Carter to the gallery here in 2015. This is a beautiful um, embroidered handkerchief uh, that has Adelaide's monogram on it. Um, as I mentioned, snuff boxes. And here, something that's very, uh, a very modest object. Uh, it's a needlework box. It was a, with a presentation certificate that was given to someone in 1834, I think it was, um, and for good behaviour. And you see this certificate um, and this very modest uh, needle um, needle box. So the, t the case um, in the front here also has handwritten letters, one in William's hand, one in Adelaide's hand, and coins that were made at the time of William's reign. Um, and, um, and we're very fortunate to have those also on loan um, from a local collector. So the display... I hope uh, you'll enjoy looking at closely. Um, as I say, there are all these marvellous objects and uh, prints that bring these two people to life, these two people who, whose reign uh, really, when the um, colony of South Australia was founded in 1836, has resulted in us having a very special connection to their memory. Uh, I was reminded of that when I went to the town hall and saw the Queen Adelaide room, which some of you may know, and to see and to think that still to this day, civic ceremonies happen in front of Queen Adelaide. So she continues her face, this, uh, if you like, um, imprint of, um, uh, of the monarch, of its authority, of its expression here on the other side of the world. And of course, we're still uh, in the Commonwealth and we are still, uh, she's still, um, the Queen is still the head of state here. We are still part of this system, if you like. Um, and it's really quite something to think that, as I say, Queen Adelaide is someone who we have um, a very special connection to. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs>